Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. invite all who are able comfortably to stand for the reading of God's Word. And the first reading today comes from the sixth chapter of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians, verses 6, verse, excuse me, 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we don't give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those in the family of faith. Is this the word of the Lord? You may be seated. Again, I invite those who are able to please stand for our second lesson. It is from Matthew's Gospel as we continue our journey in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen now to the word of God. Ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him. And everything do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. And enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are many who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, and thus you will know them by their fruits. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
for my mother and for thousands of readers of the Charlotte Observer, the day was not complete until they had read Kay's Gary's column. From 1956 to 1985, five days a week, imagine that, five days a week, <laughs> he had a column. It was a collection of um, inspirational stories, human interest items, noble causes, and humorous musings on the human condition. If he was on your side in a cause, it was done. I mean, that was a man that they once had a car wash to raise money for this girl who needed surgery, and he was out there doing it. And I think out of guilt or nothing else, I had half the town um, over there with others uh, to get their cars washed. One day, he shared this anecdote in his column. He was been driving, and he was behind a car. They were at a stoplight. It had that bumper sticker, Honk if you love Jesus. Well, he honked. And the driver got out of his car, came back, and cussed him out. Now, maybe the driver had bought a used car, and he had not put that bumper sticker on it. It wasn't his. That can happen. And maybe that poor guy had had such a hard day that if you had been in his feet at that point, if you didn't do it, you'd have been tempted to do the same thing. So, so maybe the guy was having a, a hard day. But as I was looking at this text, first from Matthew, by their fruits you shall know them, that anecdote, laughing, came to mind. Of course, then moments going, and how often have I been that guy who got out of the car? Lord help me. But also began to think of some other messages, passages, that talked about, by their fruits you shall know them, uh, what kind of fruit are you bearing? And my mind went to a message I'd heard years ago from Galatians, where we're going to be focusing a lot today, a particular section. So I want to go back to that, just read it briefly, where it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those of the family of faith. How can we sow those good seeds into others? Now, I grew up hearing, as you sow, so shall ye reap, from the King James. And it usually meant, you've been doing some bad stuff, and it's going to come back to haunt you. But really, the other side is just as true. If you are doing planting towards the good, the good will come back. If you give yourself to doing the good, it will come back. In fact, it's kind of the opposite of the financial principle. To, to gain the money, you put it into savings 
or you invest it in such a way that it gains interest and it compounds and other things are earned and you care for it and you nurture it and you hang on to it, um, investing only to get a better return. But with this sowing to good, the more you give, you keep on giving and trusting the Lord to bring it to you, to be able to do more. But how can we sow those seeds? How can we, we sow to what is good? In another place, Paul describes a specific action to bless, don't curse. Again, I've heard that, bless, do not curse, and usually heard it on the emphasis, don't curse or don't cuss either. But really, remember, it, it, there's a positive in there. Bless somebody. How can you put a seed of blessing in a person's life? And first, it's just a basic attitude, saying thank you and please, saying things with a smile, but also practicing speaking well of other people. Last week, I shared about uh, Nay Bailey and uh, that the prayer at the end of the sermon came from her talked about a difficult roommate relationship that she had. Um, I mean, they both loved the Lord. They were walking with the Lord, um, similar theology, but they were just wired very differently. One person is a very social, outgoing, everybody is her best friend kind of person. And the other was very structured and controlled and kept things, a lot of things to herself. And Nay later shared about several things about their time together. And one thing she said is they made a commitment to always speak well of one another in public, no matter what personal differences they were having. And even if they needed the counsel of somebody else, saying, well, how do I deal with somebody who's just all over the place in terms of being cheery or who is just so controlled and it sometimes comes across as unfeeling, it was always with the permission of the other person. So they would say, hey, Jean, I'm going to talk to, to Mary to get her counsel, and she won't share anything about this. And Jean would say, well, Mary's a good person to trust. Yes, that's okay. But they made that point of always speaking well of the other in public. Some of us may be familiar with this it's a sad situation, but positive practice for parents of, uh, that are divorced that make a point to always speak well of the ex-spouse in front of the children. Or at least don't say anything negative. Don't put in the, not to put the children in a battle of having to choose one or the, or the other. I don't know if couples have made that commitment sometimes. It was gritting teeth, but they made that commitment to always speak well. You know, once of two women who were kind of struggling, they were in a work situation and struggling with a very difficult co-worker, and one of them said, well, I just pray for her. I think there's things going on, and, and I just want to pray that, 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 that the Lord releases her from these negatives in her life. And the other one said, Lord, I don't want to pray that, but can you listen to my friend? <laughs> She's praying. Can you listen to her? A small gesture, but it's an attitude of how can I be blessing somebody in their life. And then in verse 10, it talks about looking for opportunities. Not just having that general attitude, but looking for opportunities. 
No, a man called Josh, well, we'll call him Josh, and in some work with another businessman, um, he had done something wrong. He didn't swindle him. He didn't take advantage of him. It was more of the way he conducted himself in a situation. It wasn't unethical or, or anything like that. But Josh thought, ooh, that's not handled that well. And he went back to the man and said, I am so sorry for the way I behaved. And the man said, well, you should have known better, and I'm not going to forgive you. Hmm. But Josh chose to speak well of that man in business settings. The man was involved in insurance. He even sent some people his direction. You're looking for a good agent? Talk to him. And in time, that relationship was healed, looking for ways of doing good for the other. Or another story from, from a family. There was a man, we'll call him Abram, and he had many siblings and there was some property related to their parents that had finally been sold and the proceeds divided among the siblings. Now this was some years down the road. I mean, when this happened, the siblings were all grandparents. I mean, they were married and had children and, and grandchildren. Well, he had divided it out, worked it out amongst the siblings, and most were very pleased except for two sisters who thought he had not handled it right, let him know that under no uncertain terms were they amused. Well, they realized they had said too much. They had apologized, but there was still just a, a gap, maybe not a barrier, not a wall. There was just a gap there. Well, a few years later, this is about the 1990-1991 period, and we have Operation Desert Shield, which of course later became Operation Desert Storm. And Abram had a son-in-law who was in the National Guard, and he got called up and sent overseas. Well, that son-in-law's wife, Carol, daughter to Abram, had two children, one in middle school, one in upper elementary. She was teaching school, and all of a sudden, she's now the single mom keeping the home fires burning. That was the perfect opportunity for the two aunts. They went out of their way to reach out to their niece, to help her and to encourage her, love all over her. That was the opportunity to bridge the gap and completely mend the relationship with their brother. Looking for opportunities to help and encourage as well as that general attitude. And then we're reminded in verse 9, do not lose heart. This takes time. Again, the example I shared about Josh, it wasn't one nice word, one client, and all was well. This took a period of time. Story shared of Nancy and, and her father was a relationship that uh, eventually was healed uh, more Again, maybe we're going to call just a wired differently father-daughter relationship, how she responded and how he responded to things. But there had been a gap between them over the years. She had, um, at one point, she came to a sense that I've got to do something. She spoke to him and she said, uh, first of all, he was asleep, uh, just said, Daddy, I love you just the way you are, asleep on your reclining chair. He slept through the whole thing. <laughs> but she said it seemed over days, because she was there for an extended visit, 
It seemed like his attitude had changed towards her. And over the years that followed, she would do gestures, small gestures for her father, and he did them for her. Some were quite humorous. Um, They went on a fishing trip, and he caught a fish about this big. Well, they took a picture. He smiled with it uh, like it was a big prize. Well, she had it blown up, framed, and sent to his law office. He loved it. In fact, she said he had to take it down to the courthouse and show all his lawyer buddies about the big fishing trip. Small gestures over time. And that relationship was healed. Now she said, in terms of a lot about his personality, the way he's wired, she said that really hasn't changed. In many respects, he's exactly what he was like before. But I've been changed, and that makes all the difference. And so sometimes part of that not losing heart means things will be healed, they'll be restored, that person will still be the same person. But maybe the goal is what God is doing in your own life through that. So we, we bless, we don't curse. We look for opportunities to reach out, and we do not lose heart in the process. These are all the seeds that we can plant. But how do they grow? Well, an excellent way to get seeds to grow, rain, and if the rain doesn't come, you water, and of course, sun. What nourishes our seeds of faith that we are planting? Well, we can do that, as Paul speaks earlier in Galatians, about walking with the Spirit in the process. See, if I just stopped here with saying, do these good, positive things, you'd only be getting half the message. Because ultimately, it is God working in us, through us, that brings about these good seeds in the lives of others. We can acknowledge that we need the work of the Holy Spirit to live the joyful Christian life of discipleship. When we come to Christ, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, is at work in us. And just saying, that's what it's going to take. And then we can pray. If you heard the sermon last week, you know I had to say something about prayer. Here's this passage from Hebrews. And now may the God of peace equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in you that which is pleasing in His sight and through Jesus Christ. David prayed in the Psalms, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. We know it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we pray. And then we trust, walking by faith, that the Spirit is at work. For some changes, it may happen overnight or very quickly. And for some, it will take time. I heard one person refer to, make a a comment about herself, and she said, I know I'm a piece of work, but now I am a work in progress. And we are all works in progress. With that in mind, that the Spirit is at work in us, Lord, show me ways that I can bless and act 
and give me hope not to lose heart. It is God working in us. Then we act, not on our own effort. And as we see this come about, as we see God's work in us, we can give thanks for what He is doing. Even at times we don't see it, but know that He is at work. I remember years ago, it was a school setting because the friend had a backpack and he had a button. And it had a series of initials on it. P-B-P-W-M-G-I-T-W-M-Y, if I got that right. Of course, I don't expect any of you all to memorize one of those initials that I just gave you. But, but of course, you have to ask, what does this mean? I cannot make out anything with this acronym. And basically, it stood for this. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. It was one of those designed to make you ask kind of buttons. And I thought that was a good reminder. And looking at this passage, that phrase came to my mind too. We are all works in progress. And the Holy Spirit continues to prune and to correct and to encourage and to uplift us, that we may in time have the mind of Christ and the maturity of Christ and the love of Christ, sharing that and planting that with others. Amen.